This is one of the pilgrim songs of the people of God, one of the Psalms of Ascent, a song meant to be used by the church, the Old Testament churches. They went to Jerusalem for their annual festivals. And so it remains for us a song that provides us with comfort, with hope. It is a psalm which bursts with assurance and confidence in the goodness of God, God who watches over us. And so listen now to the Word of God. Hear it read, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Bow with me as I pray. Father in heaven, we come needing to hear your word. We come needing your comfort and assurance. Because, Lord, we acknowledge the pain and the sorrow that we face in our lives, the, the sadness, the, the struggle. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would meet us in the midst of our chaos. Lord, that the, the bold and magnificent truths of Scripture would echo in our hearts. That your Spirit would apply the truth of the gospel, which we have heard together today, which we have sung, which we have announced that you are the God who rescues, the God who watches over us, the God who helps us. And so, Lord, for those who, who gather this morning with, without that assurance of your love, Lord, if they have put their faith in Christ, I pray that you would grant them now the assurance that you are good to them, that you are the God who loves them and cares for them. Lord, that you would strengthen our weak faith, that you would give us hope that our goodness rests not in the things we have done, but in the greatness of the things Jesus has already done. Lord, for those who come today without assurance of your goodness and love, because they don't have faith, Lord, I pray that you would give them the faith to believe, that today would be a day of salvation for us as we listen to your word. Lord, each of us needs your assurance. Each of us needs the goodness of your gospel. And so, Lord, let us hear your word. Comfort us in the truths of Scripture. Father in heaven, we come praying in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our rescuer. Amen. The dramatic words remind us of his place in history. Dr. Livingston, I presume. David Livingston was a world-famous explorer, abolitionist, and missionary. But he hadn't been heard from in four years. And so, journalist Henry Stanley was sent to find him, expecting to find a gravesite. And so he traveled for seven months across the continent of Africa to find this famous explorer. And so when he finally does, he recites the line that he had prepared, Dr. Livingston, I presume. But decades earlier, before his worldwide fame, this young medical doctor, David Livingston, was preparing for missions. He had completed his medical training in his homeland of Scotland, and he had the opportunity to stop back home for just one night to say goodbye to his parents. 
So despite the fact that they'd been up late in the night talking about the adventure which was to come, they arose early the next morning. His sister describes the scene for us. They, David rises at, seven, or at 5 a.m. to a house filled with the aroma of coffee, which for this normally tea-drinking family was a surprise, but the, the rich aroma was because of the, the journey that lay ahead and the earliness of the hour. And so the family gathered around the table, David with his parents and his sisters, and his father handed him the family Bible and asked him to read. And so he opened God's word to his favorite psalm, Psalm 121. A psalm for a journey. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This psalm providing the, the encouragement and hope for Dr. Livingston as he began this journey, traveling to places where no other European had ever been, the first European to see Victoria Falls, to travel the Zambezi River. But he went because he was taking the gospel. He went with confidence because he knew that God was with him, and, and so he had that promise of verse 8 the echoing in his mind as, as he and his father left the house that morning. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And so Dr. Livingston said goodbye to his father as he prepared to, to board the ship which would ultimately transport him and take him to Africa. He said goodbye to his father knowing they would never see again. But he went with the hope of Psalm 121, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Psalm 121 is a psalm filled with great hope, filled with great comfort and assurance. A, a song meant for the, the traveler, a traveler like David Livingston, but a traveler like the people of, travelers like the people of God going on their, their trips to Jerusalem. We saw last week that the, this is one of the, the psalms of ascent. And to kind of let you in, this is the reason we're doing this series, this psalm. I wanted to preach Psalm 121 because it's one that has been meaningful to me, and, and so we just wrapped it into the whole series. But these Psalms of Ascent are a picture for us of God's faithfulness. Stories, uh, reminders to us of, of the fact that God watches over us. And so they were songs meant for the Old Testament people of God as they went to Jerusalem to bring their sacrifices, to go to the place where God had provided a way a way of blood being shed for sins to be forgiven, the place of God's throne in the temple of God. And so they're songs meant for a journey, songs that, that then can provide encouragement to us. And this psalm comes with an enormous promise. We've heard it repeatedly now today. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But do you hear the, the bold assurance of the psalmist? My help comes from Yahweh. His name is repeated for us through here. When, when the English translation gives you Lord in capital letters, it's God's covenant name, Yahweh. God is the, the one who entered into personal relationship with the, the people of Israel. He is the one who, who rescued them from slavery. He is the one who brought them into the promised land. He is the God who loved them enough to give them the, the path of sacrifice in order to provide forgiveness for their sins. My help comes from Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. 
And you hear in that the, the bold assurance of the psalmist that, that when I look around at the, the, the questions of life, I have the confidence that my help comes from Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. The, no matter what obstacle gets thrown in God's way, God is big enough because God made the heavens and the earth. And this is the kind of promise that we need to hear at the start of a journey. It's the kind of promise that can fuel missions, the promise that God is with us. It's, this is the kind of psalm that, that our students need to hear as they're preparing to, to go to the mountains, of West, or the mountains of North Carolina with the gospel. It's the kind of psalm that, that we need to hear on a day when you've been invited to come back. Be here at 5.30 to hear about that missions opportunity in ways that we as a broader congregation can pray for them and support them. This is the kind of assurance that, that moves us forward, a promise that is big and powerful. My help comes from the Lord. The Lord will watch over me, over my coming and going both now and forevermore. But can we say these words? Do we believe these words when things aren't going well? Dr. Livingston could recite these words in eager anticipation of the, the mission that God had given him. But can such promises sustain us in the midst of pain? I have prayed with you and for you this week in the sorrow and sadness of life, of marriages ripped apart, of jobs lost, of medical tests with uncertain outcomes, of medical treatments ongoing. I've prayed with you in the midst of despair, of disappointment and loneliness. I've prayed with you in the sorrow of the burdens of life. Does this mean anything to us now? And even, even if today all goes well for you personally, even if you feel like, no, I, I am there at the joy and the excitement, like Dr. Livingston preparing for the big things God has planned for me. Even if all is going well for you personally, you know the sorrow of a week where for us as a nation, the news was filled with tragedy and injustice. A time of chaos and confusion for us culturally. And so we as we look for help, are called to, by Scripture to weep with those who weep. We weep this morning with the families of black men killed by police officers, men made in the image of God. We weep today with the families of police officers who gave their lives. We lift our prayers for men and women in uniform who devote themselves to our safety and protection and yet we weep with our brothers and sisters who live in frustration and anger and confusion. We long for justice. We know we need help on the personal level, on the relational level. But we also know that, that we need justice on the systemic level. We need help to overcome our long, dark patterns of racial injustice. Do the promises of Psalm 121 still hold true? This is, the psalmist is not naive. 
I mean, verses two through eight are filled with the greatest promises of Scripture. But they are an answer to a very specific question. Look back at verse one. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? The Psalms are being honest with us about our real need, our desperate need for help. Where does my help come from? If, if we only had verses two through eight, we might think the psalmist has not walked the roads we have walked, has not suffered the pain we have suffered, has not experienced the loss we have experienced. But verse one is the, 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 the burning and the crying question, where does my help come from? Psalm 121 forces us to admit that we need someone to help us. That we need someone outside of ourselves, someone bigger than ourselves to respond to us. And so yes, we as a culture, we as a church, we as individuals need to have meaningful dialogue and practical gospel ministry to overcome the, the patterns of racial injustice. But our first step is given to us in Psalm 121. Admit that we need help. Admit that we cannot solve the problems of life on our own. Admit that we need God to step in and respond to us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? The question echoes for us. And even the, the first stanza of this psalm reminds us of danger. I mean, when I first hear verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I look to the mountains. I, I think of, of purple mountains majesty. I think of the grandeur and the beauty of mountains. And that, that is captured here in the psalm. The psalmist with the, the positive connotation of, of turning toward the hills, turning toward the mountains. You are go, this is a psalm of ascent. That's the description given to us. This is the song you sing as you're going up to Jerusalem. And so this is a reminder that, that God is there to help us. As I look up to the hills, God is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the God who made the hills. I think of the, the journey to Jerusalem and the, the fact that God sits on his throne in Jerusalem. But really, that question of the hills also highlights for us the danger of this psalm. If you are traveling on your pilgrimage to Jerusalem, then the hills can be a frightening place the place of bandits and danger. If you are an Old Testament Israelite, when you hear about the hills, you think of the high places, the places of false worship. If you wanted to worship a God other than the true God, then you went to the mountaintop to worship. And even though I said last week, and this is true, that Jerusalem is the highest point in the world, I reminded you that that was from a theological perspective, that you always go up to Jerusalem. I had the opportunity as a, as a college student to, to study in Jerusalem, and, and one of the, the first things that we got to do was, was take a tour of the city with one of my professors, kind of a biblical overview of Jerusalem. And as we stood on Mount Zion, on, on the hill of Jerusalem, today you really wouldn't know unless a tour guide pointed it out to you, that you're even on the mountain, the way the city has been built up over the centuries. But my professor read to us Psalm 121 as we stood there, and pointed us east toward the Mount of Olives, which rises above Mount Zion. He pointed us north toward Mount Scopus, which rises above Mount Zion. He pointed us toward the, the hills to the west, which rise above Mount Zion. See, Mount Zion is only theologically the tallest place in the world. 
even among the hills in which it sits, it, it sits in this valley. And so as you stand in Jerusalem and you lift your eyes to the hills, that is the place where the enemy is encamped, where danger rests, where, where, where fear resides. And so even that, that, that beautiful phrase, I lift up my eyes to the hills, reminds us of the danger. When we look to the mountains, we see danger. And so Psalm 21 provides us comfort not merely at the start of a journey, but in the midst of pain. Decades after his arrival in Africa, David Livingston and his wife endured a four-year separation. She traveled back to Scotland with their children, and so they had been separated so that he could remain in Africa to continue on his ministry. And so there was delight when she rejoined him on the Zambezi River. She preparing to, to continue their ministry, to, to rebuild their home together. She was a child of missionaries to Africa. That's how they met. Her dad had been his boss. And so her heart was in Africa for the ministry of, of the gospel there. And so it was delight when they were reunited together. But just three months later, after an illness of mere days, Mary Livingston died. The brave adventurer who had faced so many dangers now wept at her bedside. With the promises of Psalm 121, which had propelled him here, would the promises of Psalm 121 still hold true at the deathbed of his wife? His journal captures his pain. I loved her when I married her. And the longer I lived with her, I loved her the more and more. I am left alone in the world. I hope it may, by divine grace, lead me to realize heaven is my home and she has but preceded me in the journey. Oh, my Mary my Mary. I mean, do you hear his words of sorrow and pain? Losing his partner in ministry, the love of his life, his wife. And yet, he, he still captures, you, you heard it, this pilgrim theme which, which comes to us from Psalm 121, that, that he is on the journey, that, that this world is not his home. That God's promise that the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore extends to the deathbed of a beloved wife. It extends beyond the grave because he's on a journey and his wife has preceded him. So we need these comprehensive promises. Psalm 121 is not naive to the pain of life. It's answering the pain of life. Even building from Psalm 120, which we saw last week, ends in, a, in the midst of war. Then the psalmist turns his eyes to the hills and asks the question, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And, and notice the comprehensiveness of this promise. The overwhelming promise that is given to us. Look at verses 3 and 4. We're told that, that Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The, the false gods of the, old, of, of the Old Testament period, 
were gods who could fall asleep. The, the ministry often of the prophets was to, was to make enough noise to, to do something, I mean, we, to, to wake up the gods. It's the, you, you can picture Elijah, Elijah on, the, on, on Mount Carmel mocking the false prophets. What's wrong? Is your God asleep? And so the psalmist is telling us God never sleeps. God always watches over us. He, he neither sleeps nor slumbers. The God who has made a promise to Israel, his people, will neither slumber nor sleep. And over and over again in these verses, we have that, that promise that God watches over you. God watches over you. He watches over you and he will not slumber, verse 3. The Lord watches over you, verse 5. The Lord will, will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life, verse 7. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, verse 8. God is watching out for you. God will not turn away. God will not look away. God will not fall asleep. No harm that comes to you can ultimately destroy you. God protects you from harm. And even the suffering we face in this life is suffering that God can use to strengthen us, to strengthen our faith, to draw us near to him, to remind us of the, the truth of verse 1. I am in desperate need of help. And so I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? The promise is that God is watching over us. And verse 8 gives us that enormous promise. It's a promise both now and forevermore. God is with us, verses 5 and 6 tell us, day and night. God is our shade during the day. The sun will not harm you. God is with you on the journey. But at night, when the, the dangers of darkness appear, God is with you. I had the, the, the joy of, of serving in the nursery recently and uh, was joking with one of the, the children in the toddler nursery a few weeks ago um, about this little farmer character. And the, the farmer's bed flips up, and I joked, wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, I would be scared to sleep in a bed like that. And she looked at me with the, the fiercest determination and said, we don't need to be afraid. God is with us. I mean, the most profound theology is not spoken here. It's spoken in the nurseries. We don't need to be afraid day or night. It's a promise that her parents have recited to her. We don't need to be afraid. God is with us. God watches over us day and night. And so we have the promise that, that both now and forevermore, God is with us. It's the big and bold promises of Scripture that we need to cling to. It's the, it's the kind of promise that the Apostle Paul captures in that beautiful chapter of Romans 8. Words that are familiar to us, but words that need to be repeated. Because we need the reminder that when we cry for help, God is with us. And so in Romans 8, we hear from the Apostle Paul, who has himself been beaten and shipwrecked and tortured. The Apostle who can say, nothing can separate me from God's love. In Romans 8 verse 35, we, we hear this question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But you hear that's the pattern of Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And so the apostle can continue in, in Romans 8. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The bold, defiant proclamations of Scripture are that God is with us. God watches over us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so we need to hear this promise. And we know God's word is true. We know this promise holds true. Because what the, the, the singers of Psalm 121 in the Old Testament were looking forward to, temple sacrifice, the promises of God, are promises that, that we can look back on as finished and completed. In Romans 8, the, the verse before the verses that I just read, so the verse that, that sets all of this up shows us the gospel, describing for us Jesus Christ. The, Romans 8.34 says that, that Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised to life. Jesus Christ is now at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Do you hear the bold promises of Scripture? We can trust that God watches over us because Jesus is on the job. Jesus is interceding for us. Jesus reigns as the King of heaven. And how do we know that that is true? Because God sent Jesus to die in our place. Jesus is the one who died in the place of sinners. There is our gospel hope. But that gospel hope is hope for us now and forevermore. Because Jesus did more than die for us. We heard it there in Romans 8. Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. Jesus has conquered the grave. Jesus is the one who can stand and say, I watch over you now and forevermore. We have the present ministry of Jesus, and so we need the bold assurance of Scripture. Do you have this confidence? Do you have the assurance that God is really for you? Perhaps today you walk in as someone with, with faith, but your faith is weak, and so you don't feel the comfort and promise. Turn from sin. Sin can harm you. Suffering will not harm you if you've put your trust in Christ. But turn from your sin and find hope in Jesus. If, if you don't have assurance or, or confidence, but it's because you don't know the gospel, then put your faith in Christ today. But as people of weak faith, we have a strong Savior. As people who come with, with brokenness, with confusion, with disappointment in ourselves and in others, we come because we have a Savior who stood in our place, who died for us. The promise of Psalm 121, that my help comes from the Lord, that the Lord will watch over me, both now and forevermore. The promise of Psalm 121 is a promise that can start me on the journey, the journey of faith, the journey of missions. It's a promise that can sustain me in the sorrow and sadness of life. But it's a promise that leads us to death and beyond. Dr. Livingston continued to serve for another decade after his wife's death. He fought for racial justice as an abolitionist. He continued to preach the gospel. He continued to bring medical care. He preached the good news of what Jesus had done to men, women, and children even in their tribal tongues. His final illness left him weak. So weak that he couldn't go for help. And so his companions carried him. He was so weak that, that when they would find him in the morning, he would be in the same position he'd been in. 
unable to speak, in and out of consciousness, until that final morning. It's described for us in their eyewitness accounts. His companions went to his hut that morning, and they say, we found that Dr. Livingston had not merely turned himself, which turning himself over would have been a surprise given his weakened state. Dr. Livingston had risen to pray. They found him still on his knees. They say that his posture would not have needed to have shifted from this life to the next because he was bowed before God in prayer. That prayer that had brought him to the mission field, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That prayer which had sustained him at the the death of his wife, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That promise which sustained him to the very end. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, in our sorrow, in our weakness, in our sadness, we ask that you would strengthen us. Lord, that you would make us a people who humble ourselves and cry out to you. Lord, let us start there in the place of humility, the place where we admit that we need help from you. And so, Lord, for those whose, whose faith is weak, who lack the assurance of your goodness today, Lord, strengthen them in their faith. Provide them with the promises of your word. Let the promises that we have read and sung today echo in their hearts, that they would find their hope, their confidence, their joy in Jesus. Lord, I pray that that those who, who have never acknowledged Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one who would die for us, that have never acknowledged Jesus to be their Savior and Lord, that even now as we pray, as we humble ourselves before you, that you would give them the faith to believe, that they would turn from sin and turn to Jesus, finding their hope in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us that experience the joys of life, Strengthen us by the the power of your word. For those of us who weep, let us weep, but as those who have hope, hope in the resurrection, hope that Jesus Christ has overcome. Lord, let this be the message of our, our church, that Jesus is our Savior. Let this be the message that strengthens our, our fellow churches that preach this gospel here in North Wilmington. Lord, we ask that you would bring revival to us, that we, in the midst of, of pain, would turn to you, that you would prove to be our help, our hope, our rescuer. Lord, bring revival to to our churches and bring revival to our hearts. Let us run to you, trust in you, find our hope and confidence in you. Lord, we come because of what Jesus has done. We come because of the rescue he has provided. As we come praying in the name of Christ Jesus, amen.